That's Colton, awesome. take it away, brother. We yeah. are live, and welcome live feed. Good evening, everybody. Hello, welcome Yay. to Parkway Baptist Church. I'm Shelby Hazard. This is Colton Ezer. Coming to you live. I'm the old guy. He's the young guy. That's it. And, and we're we are a dynamic duo. We are. We are. We just, we just dynamic duo. Yep. That's it. Uh, so, anyway, we got all kind of stuff going on tonight. Tonight, we are looking at the very difficult question of who is the what? Nephilim. Who yes. The Nephilim? yes. 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 So we're going into this, to this new, this new, these new questions concerning angels and spiritual realities. So, be Sorry, thinking about that. And and by the way, um, <clears throat> we don't really have an end date per se on this. We're just going to keep on going on hard questions, probably probably through the summer. Uh, so if you have got if if during during our time together, if there is another question that comes up in your mind that, that our acceptance of questions is not closed so you can always ask something else if you want to just do me a big favor okay please don't give it to me on a piece of paper all right because i can promise you what's going to happen to it i'm going to lose it okay yeah so email it to me text it to me preferably don't even give it to either one of us who do you give it to cindy or carol okay Email, I heard email. Email, like email would be great. Yep. Email would be great. Now, if you just have to give it to me, you go ahead. Please don't hold it against me when I forget. Okay? Please. Amen. Yeah, so we, we were talking about where to go next, what um, series of questions to get into next. And we know that we just went through some really hefty, weighty stuff with God. You know, God's providence, uh, the Trinity. There was just a whole lot of deep things that we talked about. And tonight's going to be deep. But I really feel like when you talk about God, those are, some of those things are very, um, they are primary doctrines of our faith, uh, meaning that if you don't have the right views set in stone on some of those things, you won't have a sound theology. You won't be in accordance with the truth kind of thing. Um, what we're talking about tonight is not a primary doctrine. Uh, who are the Nephilim? Is it still important that we study about them, that we know about them, that we grow in our knowledge of Genesis and all that's around them? Yes, and we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. But again, uh, when it comes to your view of, we're going to talk about the sons of God tonight, and when it comes to your view of, uh, not the son of God, the sons of God, um, but when it comes to your view of who the Nephilim are, it's not a primary doctrine. I wouldn't even say it's a secondary doctrine of importance i would say it's kind of that third tier kind of it's it's mm -hmm. it is important but uh if we're talking about you know when we're talking about salvation that's a very primary at the heart of what we believe doctrine. what's the saying that we always say it's because uh, theological triage three lot theological triage but but the, but it's it's uh it's unit it's it's unity in the essentials and charity in the non-essentials right I, I love that. So, so when it comes to like the nature of God, the nature of Christ, mm -hmm. salvation by faith alone, not of yeah. works, those types of things, yeah. those are essentials that are really not up for debate or discussion. Right. right? I, mean, right. I, mean, I mean, that, that those are foundational principles that, that, are, that are not debatable. Yeah. yeah. But, but other things like who are the Nephilim? Right. I mean, that, that, that's, that can, we can give, I can give charity or like yeah. the second coming of Christ, like, like yeah. whether I am a... Uh, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, a millennial—what yeah. all those a things? Pan-millennialist. 
pan-millennialist, pan-millennialist, th- those things we can be charitable in, in that, in that the, because the scripture has yeah. room for different interpretations. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep. Okay, so uh, yeah, like Shelby said, tonight is, who were the Nephilim? Um, Nephilim. What, Nephilim. 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 What was their significance? So that's what we're going to be digging into tonight. Before we get in, uh, we are going to talk about, um, well, I just want to ask you a question. When you hear the title Nephilim. Do we have a microphone? Yeah, uh, yeah, Tony's got oh, it. T- t- Tony he is. He is. Tony the it. Tiger is at his post. All right. That's right. What do you think about uh, off the top of your head? Who would you say the Nephilim are? Luke has his hand up right behind, right behind you, Tony. You, brother. That would be Luke. So t- you have to speak into the microphone. Yeah. Two things come to mind. Then uh, the first is usually that they are a um, a half breed of human and either angel slash fallen angel. Okay. And then the second thing that comes to mind as far as more specific is that uh, I've heard it uh, stated that Goliath was probably one of the last of Man. the Nephilim. All right. Good. Great. Great answer. He's got a couple of books on his yeah. shelf, I think. Just, yeah. just a couple. We're done. Let's go home now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Luke. There are four major theories about the Nephilim. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, you got Anybody four. We've only got three. So. Dan Shine has a statement all the way back there in the back. And by the way, uh, Dan wanted all the men to know we are beginning to promote the next men's breakfast already. The speaker will be the Smyrna town manager. Is that correct? That's correct. Smyrna. Okay. So. Or they, they were called the sons of God, and they made uh, acquaintance with men's, with men's daughters. Okay. Yeah. And, and so are they the sons of God, or are they fallen angels? Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, well, good question. That's, we're going to hit it. We're going to. When, when you leave here tonight, hopefully you'll know the answer to that question. It's getting interesting. Anyone are else? you asking that question now? Are you wanting an answer? Okay. Well, we. Dan, were you the one that wrote this question down? Some of these no, we don't really no, know. Who I, know wrote these. I know exactly who wrote it down. I think it was um, I think it was Stephen Barnett. Or did you write it down, Dan? Did you write it down? I, I think Stephen Barnett was. You wrote it down. Hey, David wrote it down. Okay. David, so he's David the culprit. You can blame tonight on David. It's a good Westmoreland. Subject. Yeah, it's good. All right. It's anybody good. else got a? When you think of the Nephilim, maybe Jim. Jim, of course, Jim has something to just say. Just chuck it over there, Tony. Of course, he has something to say. I'm just kidding. We don't want to hit Juanese. Jocelyn, be careful sitting next to him. Now he's he's real he's real careless with he's that. He's a wild man. In in numbers, they talk about the Nephilim when they the the twelve men went and scouted out Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, scouted out the Canaan. land of Canaan or yep. whatever. They said they came along and that the Nephilims were there. Okay, Nephilim. sons Nephilim, yeah. the sons of Anak, and to they were considered giants because they said. Uh, to us or to them, we are grasshoppers, grasshoppers yeah. to them, and and they feel the same way or whatever. We felt like we were grasshoppers to them, and yeah. they also that. So that was one of the reasons that they backed out of going in, because they couldn't yeah. fight against the Nephilim. That's correct. Yeah. Excellent. Anybody else? When you hear the term Nephilim, what do you think? Off the top of your head, what would you say they are? We've had, uh, Jack? One view, one view is that that they were the offsprings of Seth and Cain's, one of Cain's daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And they called yeah, them, they were called mm-hmm. Nephilims. Yeah. Very yeah, interesting. It's, yeah. Yeah. We're, it's we're, pretty, it's yeah. pretty wild. But we, yeah. we, we spent all day talking about it, debating it between us. One of the terms is the fallen. Yes. 
Yeah, it's one of the interpretations. The, the word, it's, it's disputed, and not like, there's just different ideas of what, what the term means, but that's one of them. Uh, the other one is giant. Some people say it means giant, so. Okay, anybody else? Ryan? No, you can, you can say something. I'm just kidding. You want to say something? Okay, all right. All right, so um, we have here a, a Genesis narrative, uh, just progression for you. Um, Genesis 1 through 6, days of creation, uh, that's where we see that, um, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, Genesis uh, 2 uh, through 7. Yeah, I, I put all that in there. While do you, you, you want to hit those? Sure, man. Because yeah. you, you you, that's all, your brainchild. All, all, all I wanted to do here on the Genesis narrative progression is that for me, when you're introduced to a chapter in the Bible, if you don't kind of have build up to what the, mm -hmm. the meaning, you, you have a hard time grasping what the meaning is of that. So th this is just real simple. I just gave you just some one and two word definitions for each one of these chapters. And if you've, if you've studied the Bible most of your life, you know all this anyway. I just put it in there for my own, for my own uh, cognition, actually. Genesis chapter one, or is the what? The six days of creation, and then the command for mankind to be fruitful and multiply, okay? Genesis chapter two, the primary thing that starts out there is the seventh day, which is the Sabbath rest. Then you have the, what's called a parallel account of the creation of man and woman. Okay. Then in Genesis 3, you have the horror of the fall and judgment and then Adam and Eve driven out of the garden and the seraphim put at the garden's entrance with the flaming sword to keep them from coming back in. Then we have the first murder in the Bible, uh, Cain and Abel. Then we have Enoch's birth. And then we have um, Genesis 5 is a, is, a, um, is a, a genealogy of the godly line of Seth. Then when we get to Genesis 6, it, go, it goes south again, okay? Something, something tragic happens in Genesis 6. I mean, it really is. It is a drastic turning point. Genesis 6 is the turning point where something horrible happens and God determines to destroy the earth. Yeah. Back to you. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a great just summary of, of leading up to this, this passage we're going to be focusing a lot of attention on. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I know it's on the screen, but I'd love for you to grab your Bibles if you have them. Go to Genesis chapter 6. Um, and uh, we're just going to be in there in verses uh, 1 through 4. Mm -hmm. And uh, just so super easy. And there, you can look up at the screen every now and then. We have a few things highlighted there that are of importance. And we're going to be referencing this passage a lot. So starting there in verse 1. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim uh, were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, the, the reason that we have some of these things highlighted in this passage is because if we're going to understand what the Nephilim are, who they are, I think we also kind of have to understand in context who the sons of God are. Who, who are the sons of God that are being, being referenced here? Um, and so we're just going to dive into a little bit of that and, and, and who they are. Uh, so so let, me, let, me, let, me, let me say something to you. And, and we, all, we always say this whenever we do this. Okay? The reason why this series is called Hard Questions 
is because it is very possible that what you have thought you have understood your whole life about this passage is what? Wrong. Okay, that is possible. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that as we go through this, what we are presenting, what Colton, and Colton put this together, by the way, is fantastic. He, he banged this out in like an hour, I think. I was really impressed. I mean, we, we worked on it, kind yeah. of the content of yeah, it. Yeah, we had our like, like for longer than that, but, but putting it all in there was pretty fast. You're getting fast. It's kind trying. of scary how fast you're getting, man. I'm trying. Lightning but it, fingers. But, it, but anyway, um, now I forgot what I was going to say. It's oh, okay. hard questions. So, so allow, allow, allow all the information to be presented to you through the study. Okay, and then at the end, if you have questions, in, in other words, if, if something is in this presentation that angers you or that, that triggers something in you, like, that's not true, you know, don't, 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 don't do that, okay? Now, I did that on purpose to try to freak you out, all right? Just, just, just relax. Let us get all the, Joanna, let us just relax. Let us get all the way through the Bible study, and then we will, then we will talk at the end about anything you disagree with, okay? And we knew, we knew jumping into a series literally called Hard Questions that, yes. that there's probably going to be a certain amount of disagreement on, on what we say and what we dig up from Scripture, but you can know, you can know with all of your hearts that your pastor's are, are constantly digging into the word as I think we've shown yes. time and time again that we love God's word and here's the thing too we also know that we can be corrected okay oh, so we, yes. we, we always try to have that heart of humble approach to scripture of God can correct us in scripture and, and certainly you might point something out that's like hey that was not the right interpretation okay so within the context of the passage it is important that we understand the identity of the sons of God as we will see later, one of the primary views of the Nephilim's identity is tied to the nature of the sons of God. Uh, who are they? And so one of the things that we're going to be talking about later, one of the viewpoints on who the Nephilim are, is uh, intrinsically tied to who these sons of God, uh, sons of God are. Uh, there are three primary views concerning the identity of the sons of God. Uh, number one is that they are a tyrant king slash judges. Some mythologies speak of characters who were mighty men of old, i.e. have Gilgamesh. Who's heard of Gilgamesh? So that's a, that's a folklore tale of old. Bab um, Babylonian god, yep. the Gilgamesh epic. Uh, and who accomplished mighty feats of great renown. Uh, number two there, you have sons from Seth, uh, Seth's line. Um, I think I, had, I saw some heads nodding when we mm -hmm. looked at that one, sons of Seth, uh, Seth's line. These sons of God were the offspring from the godly line of Seth. Adam's son that was born after Abel was murdered by Cain. Scholars who hold this view believe that the godly sons of Seth intermingled with the daughters of Cain's line. Mm -hmm. Now, let me just point out something right away that, um, unless, again, this might be a moment that you reprove me and correct me, but um, I don't think at this point in the storyline there's been a dichotomy set up on who should and who shouldn't marry at this point. Um, you know, we get that more specifically in the law. Uh, and, so, and so we have to be careful how we approach interpreting uh, this. Obviously, though, you have the, the descendants of Cain are taking the trajectory of the ungodly people. And then you have Seth's line, which let's just go back to chapter 4 real quickly. You're right there in Genesis. Go back to chapter 4. And we have where it's at the very end, chapter 4, four verses 25 and 26. And I want you to see what it says about uh, Seth's line, when Seth is born and, and what's said about him. So starting there in verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me 
another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Now, something I want you to see there, how does she refer to Seth and Abel? What's the key word that she refers to them as? Okay, Seth is referred to as a replacement, but what? There it is, Kathy said it, offspring. The word there is important, offspring, because what does she not use for her oldest son, Cain? She does not refer to him as offspring, but simply as the one who took the child of promise uh, in her eyes. And so Seth is the replacement for Abel, her offspring. And that directly links to the offspring that's promised in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Mm. That an offspring would come of the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent. And so this is going to be really important to this whole thing that we're talking about tonight. You talk about what is the significance of the Nephilim, just just hang out, hold on. That's going to become very. Does it, just to be sure? Does everybody understand what he's talking about? In 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 Genesis, it's very clear after the judgment, uh, after God brings judgment after the fall, that there are two lineages of humanity that is shown. There is the seed of the serpent, and there is the seed of the woman. The seed of the serpent will be the satanic antagonist unbelieving line and the seed of the woman will be the messianic believer line does everybody understand that so that's that's what he's talking about because it I, I it i mean it was gosh i don't know i mean i've been a christian for years before yeah. somebody showed that to me yeah and so the first prophecy of christ in the bible is in is actually found in the judgment of god on humanity in genesis chapter 3 where he says right here in genesis chapter 3 verse 15 I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your, as Colton just said, offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. Your Bible may say crush, meaning Jesus will crush the serpent's head and the serpent will bruise his heel, which means what? Put him on Calvary's cross. Okay, so, so that, that's, that's, that's what that means. And that right there, that's the tension that goes throughout the scripture. Throughout the scripture and culminates in the crucifixion of Christ and his resurrection. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and, and I think, again, it's really important sometimes that we put ourselves in the, in the shoes of, of, of those Bible characters, these real people and the real moments they had. Imagine Adam and Eve had everything. They had everything, and they lost it all. And so, but then God comes in with this, this sweet promise that I am going to one day give you an offspring from your children, from your line, that will crush this serpent that just deceived you and destroyed your world. Imagine someone coming in and wrecking your whole world, and, and, then, and then someone comes in and says, hey, I know that was really bad, but, but one day he's going to get his, okay? Or she's going to get hers. And that's really God saying revenge will happen one day. Uh, victory will happen. The defeat of the serpent will happen. Would you be looking for that offspring? Oh, yes. Oh, you better believe oh, I would. Yes. And, and, and we can't even begin to imagine what it felt like for Adam and Eve to have perfection and then lose it. And so, so I mean, it must have been multiplied by 10 million for them in that feeling of, of searching and longing and wanting the offspring to come. And so, um, so yeah, just, just something to, talk, uh, to mention there as we talk about Seth's line and, and the importance of that. Um, so the, the third view here is fallen angels. Um, another view is that the sons of God refer to fallen angels. These fallen angels saw the daughters of men 
and had sexual relations with them. And so this is a very unnatural, very odd view, to be honest with you, uh, but it is one that, that many people accept, and so we'll be talking about that tonight as well. Um, so you do have uh, Tyrant Kings and Sons of Seth. Uh, Shelby, you want to tackle this one? Sure, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, those who hold the Tyrant Kings view believe that Genesis reference to the sons of God refer to mighty men of renown who were seen as heroes of old. Uh, we'd already pointed out the Gilgamesh epic. The stories from the ancient Near East about characters like Gilgamesh are being considered here. In the ancient lore, these characters were seen as part man and part God. The obvious problem to this view is that there's no biblical evidence to suggest that this is true. There is actual biblical evidence against this view, which is what we're going to talk about here in the next panel. So this is just one theory that, that throughout church history ha has been suggested, is that that's who tr traditionally there, there were these... Um, mythological or these folklorish, uh, you know, giant personalities from in that day, and that's who, that's who they're talking about. And I, and I don't necessarily, I've never agreed with this view, but I mean, that, no. it's the view that's out, one of the views that's out there. Yeah, and then um, in this next slide, it talks about Seth here. Um, the, sons of, uh, the Sons of Seth view uh, has more biblical evidence and seems more acceptable at face value. The title Sons of God uh, could certainly be taken as the godly descendant Seth's line. I'm wondering if I'm losing battery here. Maybe I just need to put it up here so it doesn't cut out. Um, and, and something I wanted to show you, something else I wanted to show you as to why people think this is because in Genesis chapter 4 at the very end there, something I didn't read in verse 26, it says, to Seth, uh, to Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Mm. And so the reason scholars believe that uh, these sons of God could be the descendants of Seth is because they were the faithful ones who were, again, calling, turning back and calling upon the name of the Lord. Yeah, basically starting to pray. Yeah, basically yeah. Starting so to pray. It, it makes sense that they would be called the sons of God. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there, well, actually, there it is. You have the reference. I was thinking ahead. Um, go ahead, Jim. In Wait. Daniel, in Daniel, you know, he talks about because I always wondered why Jesus used the term "son of man," mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, finally, you know, when I read Daniel, remembered about what Daniel said about the son, sons the, of God, the son of man, is a divine term. So yeah. anytime the son of God or the sons of man is used, you're talking about a divine structure, right? Yeah, I think, he, he definitely um, used that in that way, for now, sure. Now, in Ezekiel, though, you have multiple moments that, that God calls Ezekiel the son of man. Oh, son of man. And he's not, this is not a divine reference to Ezekiel. This is just a designation, you're a son of man, you know. Um, and, that's, and, and, and when talking about Jesus, I mean, that's just pointing at his humanity because he was a right. son of man. He was also right. the son of God, but he was the son of man too. Yeah, and, and in Daniel, you do. It is a divine designation when, uh, when he receives from the Ancient of Days or he, he's at his right hand. That's one of the reasons that when he uses that term, son of man, he's calling himself God, Right. I mean, in, he's, when you're looking at Daniel, when you're looking, oh, no, yes. no, I'm he's, talking about Jesus. Yes. He uses yes. that term. But, yes. you know, I just noticed that's sons of God. This is sons of man. Well, but I see, what, I, could, man. I could see where you make the connection. And that's actually a good point. This designation, I believe uh, from our research, and I don't have this on here, but I believe that designation, sons of God, is it is unique. 
uh, we're talking about in the Hebrew text now, it is unique and it's only mentioned five times. So we're going right. to get and we're, into and we're, that. We're, we're getting there. Yeah. We're going yeah. to address all that. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good point. So you got the last point there. Oh, yeah. I had a, th- had a thought just on what you, what you said about the, the two, the one seed was, was, yeah. was of God. The two lines. And the other seed was of mm-hmm. Satan. Mm-hmm. Whenever Jesus talked about the two roads, the narrow way and the wide way, was he referring back to Genesis? He, but talking about, because evidently the, the seed of Seth was a pretty small, was a pretty narrow, small road. With, and, yeah, and, I mean. And the other side, because, you know, just one verse later, in verse 5 of, of chapter 6, it's, God got upset because man was so wicked. Every yeah. thought that he had was wicked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never thought of that application, but I don't know why that would be wrong. I mean, because yeah, it, def- it definitely fits. Because uh, wide is the way that leadeth to destruction, narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and it shows the two, you know, the two directions, the two doors. Sure, two lines, yeah. two seats. Yeah, that's good. Uh, just this last point here. Although this sounds like the most natural explanation in our modern minds, uh, the strangest and unnatural explanation is the view uh, with the greatest scriptural evidence. Yes, it is. Yeah, so, and we're going to see that right here. Um, in order to answer the question as to which view is correct, we need to consider the whole counsel of God's word. The phrase sons of God appears in other passages uh, which give clues as to their identity, the, the sons of God, their identity. Uh, there, are, there are actually, there are five uses in the Old Testament um, this one plus four others. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, now, there were, uh, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. And this is Job. I'm sorry, guys. This is Job chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, by the way. Uh, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going, uh, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. So this is a uh, committee council. This is a uh, staff meeting <laughs> with the Lord. This is, this is the Lord's council, and who is he meeting with? He's, he was Satan, but he, there's, some, there's some other people there who, too. Sons of God. Sons of God, and, and those are human beings. No. No, those are angels. Those are angels in his council that he's meeting Correct. with, and they're called the sons of God. Yes. Um, and we have Job 2.1 here. Uh, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, uh, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. Uh, again, we have the council of God's court there. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a, that's a, that, might, that might be yeah. a good uh, theological way to, to, to term that. So. Crashing the party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God's authority or position, yeah. he, he was cast down to the earth yeah. and he was given lordship over the earth. Yeah. So just yeah. in case you forgot, Satan is an angel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He is yeah, a fallen angel. No, we have not forgotten that. You know, one might say that. Any of y'all forgotten that? Has anybody forgotten that? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have Job 38 7 here. When the morning star uh, starts. Yeah, saying, yeah, Tony, just stay right by him because I think. <laughs> There it is. He's we're we're be, figuring this he's out. He's going to be saying a lot of stuff. <laughs> hey, Nephilim, just get us excited. Uh, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, uh, you have that in Job 38.7, which I believe, um, I should have given more context to that. Is that. That's in reference to the creation, I believe. And so this would be a moment where, obviously, um, 
we're talking about the angelic host. That's right. Yeah. So um, you have Daniel 3.25 there. Uh, he answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the, uh, the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now, this one is interesting because I think a lot of people say, well, I think, I know a lot of people say that this was Jesus walking in the fire with them. Um, that, I agree with that interpretation. I think this was Jesus walking in the fire with them. Um, and yet, Jesus is not, uh, at least at this point, he is not what? Taken on flesh and become incarnate. Uh, he is a divine being. Uh, the divine being. Uh, just there's the designation. But, but I think it's still an interesting note to see that in Daniel. Okay, so the view of fallen angels. You, you want to take this one away? Shelby? Sure, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to throw me under the bus with the fallen angels. Yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> All right, the fallen angel view. In this view, the reference to sons of God in Genesis 6, 1 through 4 is referring to fallen angels or demons. This view is the most acceptable because of the many passages that refer to sons of God in the context of angels. Those are all the passages that we just looked at uh, just as the Colton just went through a minute ago. There are only five citations of sons of God in Scripture. And in every reference, what is it talking about? Angelic beings. So just as a general rule in Scripture, whenever you're trying to interpret the meaning of a passage, where is the first place that you should start in trying to interpret that? The Bible, exactly. Mm -hmm. So you try to go somewhere else to try to figure out what the Bible is trying to say by going to a different maybe book or, or, or another place in the Scripture to interpret that, which is, what, which is what he does here. Now here's the other thing. Further evidence is seen in the New Testament. And this, this is probably, in, in my mind, and I'm going to tell you, this, as, as preachers, the Nephilim and, and all the questions surrounding Noah and these, these strange occurrences in the New Testament. It's something that, that, that a teacher struggles with sometime their entire life before you really come to a, uh, to a, to a position that you, that, you, that you really believe is true. Um, and I believe that these passages in the New Testament uh, make it pretty difficult to refute uh, what we're going to suggest. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, makes a reference to the angels who sinned back in the days of Noah. And what did we just talk about in Genesis chapter 6? The only explanation that fits for these angels that sinned in the days of Noah is that they are the same beings who were the sons of God who sinfully took human daughters as their wives. Jude 6 has the same reference of angels who left what? Their proper what? Position, right, in heaven and pursued unnatural relations like the men in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Super strange, super weird, very difficult for us as 21st century Americans to accept what is being taught there, but it, it certainly leans in the direction of, um, of this, uh, this fallen angel relational with humans uh, interpretation. Category. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Can I, you want to do the next? This is your, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I, I just wanted to show you, too, that this is where interpretively you, you, you have to kind of read into the context and you have to make decisions here. Uh, because actually, the second Peter chapter 2, 
uh, and you can go to verse 4 if you want to, if you want to go there, it doesn't actually use the term sons of God. Because remember we said there's only those five uses in, in Scripture. Um, but, but hear what it does say. It says this, starting in verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with, uh, with seven others, when he uh, brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by, and, and we can stop there actually, because he goes on with his argument. He's putting this in the context of the days of, of Noah. Uh, and these angels in the context of the days of Noah. Uh, these were, what he's referencing to here, are these sons of God, these fallen angels. Uh, we know that because why would he, even grammatically, um, the examples he's making is a negative, uh, a negative example and then a positive uh, deliverance of God. A negative example of Sodom and Gomorrah, a positive deliverance of Lot and his family, other than his wife, we know that, but his wife could have made it out. She made her choice. But, um, so we know that the connection is to, when he's talking about these angelic beings that sinned, he's talking about the sons of God, the, the, the reference of the sons of God. Uh, and, and again, we know that because of the context. And the, the same thing happens in Jude, so we don't have to go there. It's the same type of reference. And almost, the, the argument is almost identical that he makes there, so we don't really have to go there. But if you are studying Jude at some point, you know, don't skip over that passage because it's, it's rich too. So, um, okay, so, yeah, but, yeah, Colton, I get that. I hear all of that. But I have the trump card, Colton, on this argument. So this is, this is what, I'm, I'm just being facetious. But sometimes when you're talking about these things, some people will have the legitimate concern, okay, I see that interpretation. What about Jesus' statement in Matthew twenty two thirty and Mark 12, 25. Okay, and I've, I've got them up here for you, but you can go to it too in your Bibles if you want to. Jesus says this, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor give in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Um, and then uh, we have Mark 12, 25 here. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry or, uh, nor are given in marriage, but are like, the, uh, like angels in heaven. Um, and so some people will say when they look at this passage, okay, it cannot be fallen angels because angels can't have marital relations with one another. And there's a key word in there, or phrase, I should say a few words in there, that, that they miss when they read that. It's what, what are these, what's the, the, the main dynamic about these angels? What's the main point about these angels? In heaven. These are, these are angels, and his point is actually when we get to heaven. <laughs> so this is within the heavenly context. This is not talking about the, the context of, of fallen angels, and we know that fallen angels exist. We know that demons exist. There's demonic activity. We see it in Scripture. We see it in Jesus' day and even before that. Um, and so we know that, that there are fallen angels um, and could their nature have changed? I, I think that in some ways it did. Um, although these passages seem to be, cons and, and actually I just mentioned that, um, who are in heaven, that's the point. Um, the reference in Genesis is talking about fallen angels who were not in heaven. It is uh, probable but speculative that the angels who fell uh, even had a change of nature. Um, and again, I like to say 
it's probable, it's, it, it is a speculation, but I think it, it, it's a good possibility that their, even their nature changed when they fell from heaven. Um, Adam and Eve's nature changed when they, you know, and, and I, when I they a, fell into sin. About, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a thought about that. Um, am I, is that green? No. Okay. Oh. Um, Jesus. Yeah. When Jesus died, he was human. When he raised yeah. from the dead, he had a body that was fit for, for ascension into heaven. Mm-hmm. So if the reverse is true, mm-hmm. if, if angels that were in that realm yeah. come here and descend here, you would think that, yeah. that the nature would change. And that would be your 1 Corinthians uh, 15. If you go there, he talks about the different, different types fleshes. of flesh. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So. You're good. It's on. Isn't, isn't, isn't there another... Uh, I've heard, or part of the things that I heard when I was first studying, listening to preachers and all... Uh, they said that the, the, you know, just like demons possess human beings, that the fallen angels or the, the sons of God possessed uh, human beings mm. and, of course, led them to do things yeah. evil and all, to take wives and to right. bear sons, but in the, in the context of being possessed by devils. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. it's... It's if, if you're going to be wholesale on the view that these are fallen angels, um, the, the language is so, I mean, I, I can't think of another word to use, but intimate. The language is so intimate there. You see verse 4, it says, in chapter 6 of Genesis, it says, the Nephilim, the Nephilim uh, were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. I mean, it's a very clear kind of statement. I mean, this was a this was a physical interaction that these beings, whoever they were, and again, we're not saying we have the trump card here. We're just saying that this is our view and uh, of this very difficult question um, that these were fallen beings, fallen um, angels. Uh, okay, so who are the Nephilim? Getting to the main question. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are the Nephilim? There are two uh, primary views. The first one, the first one is, is that it's a time reference, such as when Quirinius uh, was governor. Uh, Moses used the name Nephilim in Genesis as a reference to the setting and time that the sons of God were on the earth and had relations with women. So one, one primary view, and uh, it, is, it is a view that someone could argue from even the grammatical structure mm-hmm. of this passage, that, that it's a time stamp. That Moses is basically saying, in the days when the Nephilim were around, right. were those days when the sons of men came into the daughters of uh, the sons of God came into the daughters of men. Um, I think it's I think it is I think it's more complicated to explain this view than the next one we're about to look at. Um, I think that you have to do a whole lot of you know kind of skullduggery, kind of dancing around, and you know you got to <laughs> like pull this grammatical word and that one over here and, and hop over here and do a little jig, and so, um, but, but it is one that some people hold to. Uh, obviously, the issue with this view is that it does not tell us the identity of the Nephilim, and if you hold to this view, then we just never know who the Nephilim are, other than the fact that in Numbers 13.33, it says that the, the sons of Anak, which we know were the giants, came from uh, the Nephilim. Uh, so that, that is a statement that we get. Does everybody understand what, what, what we're saying with that? Well, well the, the thought is, is that the Nephilim were so well known for the first audience that Moses was writing to 
that it would have been that they would have had whatever generation was was re, was reading Genesis that they would automatically know okay the Nephilim well they were appeared at this time and then and then you know existed from this time and so it's almost like if that's if that's the correct view that Moses is trying to set the Nephilim apart from this scenario to say don't make the mistake of thinking that the offspring of the sons of God and the, and the daughters of man were the Nephilim. I'm just saying that during that time, this is when this happened. Yeah. Do y'all understand that? that, that that's this view. Okay? And, and it, is, it is, you could see this next point here, that it, you could read into this that it's, he's saying that in the days of the Nephilim, because uh, he, the way he mentions it, I think in verse 4 there, the, Nephil, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. Uh, and also afterward. And so you could read into that that, okay, he's talking about a before and after situation. They were there before the sons of God did this, and they were at, there afterward. You could also uh, read this as saying, okay, they were the product of this, right. of this union, and they were there afterward. Uh, I think both can be interpreted right. there. And then the ne- and just while we're there, the, yep. the next slide, and, and, the, and, this, and that's why I say this is like a tug of war trying to figure this out. Then if you read the next verse, like just follow with me for a second, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them, then it says these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So does these mighty men, is that in apposition to the children of the sons of God and the daughters of man? Or is these mighty men in apposition to the Nephilim? See what I'm saying? Which one of those does that identify? Again, it's real hard to know. Yeah. It's real hard to know. So go ahead. And, and we are not the most mighty grammaticians <laughs> in the world, so <laughs> it might be left to uh, the annals of time of, of uh, mystery. Um, the second interpretation is that the Nephilim were the offspring of the unnatural relationships between fallen angels and women. Uh, the strength of this argument is that it seems to be the most straightforward understanding uh, it would also make sense of why the offspring of those unions would be unnatural, as in their size. We know that the Nephilim uh, were a giant race. And we know that because, again, Numbers 13.33, that says uh, the, uh, the sons of Anak, they were giant men. They were giant, uh, I shouldn't say people, I guess it's just men. But, uh, and, and you have that right there, that reference. Um, in which also that's, that's where we see Goliath coming from there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it does make sense that you have unnatural relations uh, between fallen angels and the daughters of men, and then you have these products that are unnatural. It would make sense uh, why it would be that way. <clears throat> okay, so this is a little bit of grammar we're going to try to enter into here <laughs> very poorly, but um, probably just enough to be dangerous. Uh, so when you see, again, verse 4, so let's, let's take a deep dive and look at verse 4 in your Bibles. Okay, don't look up there, look in your Bibles. There's a word, a key word, when you're reading. It says, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. When, when, wow, that was weird. When the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. So this, this is why understanding Hebrew and Greek words behind the text can be very important sometimes. The Hebrew word uh, when, um, seer, that we see here, is a connecting link of relation. 
It brings the sentence introduced by it into relation with the previous sentence. So what he's saying is, is when you see the second half of the sentence, when you see uh, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them, that word when in the Hebrew is connecting that sentence with the previous sentence of the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, making those two thoughts related. And so I think that gives a lot of, 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 of weight and evidence to the fact that he's connecting the Nephilim, the Nephilim to the idea that they were the, the children, the offspring of these, these unholy unions. And, um, you know, again, it's, it is a, a grammatical thing. It's not a set-in-stone argument, but I do think that it does give a lot of weight to uh, that interpretation. This is the kind of stuff that we talk about in our studies. Yeah, in the office. Right. If they weren't angels or fallen angels or some form of... of, of uh, the sons of God, you mean? Well, yes, or, or demon-possessing human beings or mm -hmm. whatever that they could... How, if, they were, if the Nephilims were just human beings, right? Is that what you're giants? saying? Yeah, yeah, we're saying giants. They're, they're human beings, but they're giants. They're unnatural human beings. But, but I mean, they're, but they're human beings. They're human so beings. So how yeah. did they come across the flood? That's, to be we're, Nephilim. We're going to get there. We're getting there. We're getting okay. there. We're, we're okay. going to close this out. We, we've got two more slides. Okay. And then we're done. Woohoo! Okay, you're done. We're getting we're, there. Hey, we're doing we're really there. good tonight. Man. Jim, Jim really doesn't come to our office and ask us all these questions beforehand. He really hey, doesn't do that. We're doing good, man. We are. We're we making are. really good time. Okay. Right. okay. This doesn't happen very often. I had to relish that moment. Okay. Uh, therefore, the reference to the sons of God having sexual relations with the daughters of men and bearing children is directly related to the previous statement about the Nephilim being around in those days. And again, I can't stress, I know that we're not, you know, great, deep scholars in this room. I wouldn't even give myself that title. And I, I'm sure even Shelby wouldn't give himself that title. We're, I'm not a scholar. But, but it is good sometimes uh, to take the Hebrew text and the Greek text, get you a really good concordance that you can trust, and we can give you references on that. And sometimes it is helpful to look up a word or two. Um, remember the, the principles of interpreting the Bible? We talked about repeated words. Repeated words are really helpful. In a text like this that's very confusing and you have that big question of who are the Nephilim, look up when. That's a key word sometimes. Sometimes those little words, gar, for, or therefore in the Greek, is a huge word of importance. Don't, we always say, Why is it, what's it there for? You know? So, I mean, it's, it's important that we, that we focus on those words sometimes. Yep. You want to hit this one, man? Sure. So the significance of the Nephilim, and this is like deep thoughts. Yeah. If it is true that the descendants of the sons of God are the Nephilim, then it is possible that part of Satan's strategy was to eliminate the messianic promise of the offspring that would crush the serpent's head in Genesis 3.15. We see the battle of the godly and ungodly seed begin with Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. So the war of the godly seed versus the satanic seed is clearly seen throughout the Old Testament narratives into the New Testament. That's undeniable. Mm -hmm. one, more, one more bullet point here. A demonic race of giants that would war against...
against the seed of the woman, the line of Seth, could eventually destroy the progeny who would bear the Messiah. Now think about that for a second. This is one of those thoughts that neither, neither Colton nor I have ever had before about the flood. But just imagine this for a second. If we're right about this, and if there was, a, if there was fallen angels that somehow unnaturally wed to the daughters of men, and there was this offspring of giants that were demonically inspired or half demon, half human, just however weird that sounds, obviously, what is the purpose of Satan doing that? Uh, her destroy the destroy earth. Destroy the earth, sure, but, but, but specifically, if they can completely destroy the, uh, the, the, uh, the women and, and destroy the lineage then they're also going to turn and try to destroy the line of Seth. So they could kill out all the, the people that were on earth at that time in the godly line and then eliminate the person who would be in the line of the Messiah being given. And so what would God, what would God, what would God have planned knowing that was going to happen? God would have selected the individual who he knew would give birth to the progeny that would bring Messiah, which would be Noah and his family, the line of, of Shem, put him on the ark, and then do what to the rest of the world? Delusion. I had never thought about that until today. And that is that gave me like chills down my spine when I thought about that. Yeah. Well, they uh, did not, what you were just talking about, what, didn't Satan want to interrupt the divine reproduction Absolutely. that God had said in, yes. in, in, and in, he's in, done it in one twenty-four when he talks about multiply of one kind. Yes, I mean he yeah. did it. He did it uh, to, to the to the Hebrew children when he threw them in the Nile. Yeah. Uh, Clayton preached this past Sunday about Herod and all the the babies that were killed that were two years old. I mean God. I mean I mean Satan has has done that throughout the years trying okay. trying to knock out Messiah exactly. Um, so. You you see and too just just as credence to this war that goes on behind the scenes, you see in Revelation, what was the dragon doing with the pregnant woman? No, not trying to kill her. Child. Trying to kill the child. He was always after that. That was his in-game strategy, right? And so I think I, he was always looking. Just as much as Adam and Eve were, were looking for that offspring, I think, I think really Satan had the same strategy, just with a different end in mind. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Um, how are the Nephilim still in existence after the flood? That was your question. See, I told you we were going to have it, Jim. You remember, you just asked that question a couple minutes ago. Okay. Numbers 13, 33 um, has this to say, and there, and, uh, and there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, the Nephilim, uh, <laughs> and we, seem, uh, we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Okay, so just a few possible explanations of this. The term was not used in the same way as in Genesis. Israel used the term because they would have known it, so they used the term as, as an idiom. An idiom. Mm -hmm. A tall woman in our culture might be called an Amazon. Right. Okay? I mean, isn't that right? I mean, if you see like a real tall woman, you must say, man, that woman's an Amazon. Some, some are now, like that. Now, the reason that I, I really think this is highly not possible is because of the reference made in this passage itself. The sons of Anak, it, it actually ties to a genealogical issue. Uh, a genealogical proof. And so I, I think 
this isn't an idiom he's talking about here, but some, I think some would interpret it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, sons of God re repeated their act, angelic mingling with women, but to a much lesser degree uh, than what happened before the flood. So and another... So, yeah, and so, something we talked about was, was that, and, and I, I can't explain this. I, I can't explain it. I'm just looking at the evidence and I'm just giving you a, an observation, I guess. But if, if, if what we think is true about the fallen angels and, and with the women and then the offspring, then the flood comes and wipes it out and then we see them again. And, and if that was what happened a second time, then we know the scripture also talks about in Jude that they took those, that God took those angels. So, there, so there's obviously like different levels of evil in the angelic realm because not all angels did that but some must have, and so they took those, he took those, because we know there's some demons still running around here, right? Yeah. Okay, so he must have taken some that did this and put them where, Jude says? In chains and gloomy darkness, right? Yeah. So we know, we know some of that's happened, and then I've lost my train of thought on what else I was gonna tell you. Um, oh, and so, but we also know from reading the Gospels, what is one of the primary things that Jesus did his opening months and years of ministry? cast out demons yes so so, so there's still demonic there's so so for some reason god must have limited de demonic power for whatever reason like like for whatever reason allowed this terrible situation to happen before the flood then it happened in a smaller in a smaller way after the flood and now all the demons can do is possess unbelievers. Is, okay. I mean, that, that's just an observation. Now, I, I can't back that up by scripture so at all. This last one is going to be purely uh, speculation. <laughs> okay, so just hear me say that. But I do think it's a very interesting thing. I want you, I want you to follow me on this last one. Uh, one of the wives of Noah's sons was a descendant of the Nephilim. Uh, and again, this is total speculation. Uh, but... But I want, you to, I want you to go with me real quickly, just a few pages over in Genesis to chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to have to find it. It's the, okay, yeah, right here in verse 6. So uh, who, was the, who was the naughty son in uh, Noah's line? Ham. Ham, right? Ham was the bad, the, the bad child, okay? And um, just interesting. That's just an inter interesting note to me, okay? And so just listen to uh, this explanation of some of his children, okay? And we're going to stop real quickly here soon. But uh, starting in verse 6, so chapter 10, verse 6. The sons of Ham, Cush, uh, uh, Egypt, Put, and Can uh, Canaan. The sons of Cush, Sheba, Havilah, Sabbat. Uh, I can't say all of these. Let's just skip to, uh, or is it verse 8? Yeah. Uh, Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. Now that, to me, is extremely interesting, because flip back over to chapter 6, verse 8. I mean, I'm sorry, verse, uh, verse 5. No, 4. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. So verse 4, at the very end there, the last sentence, it says this. These were the mighty men who were of old, the mm -hmm. men of renown. Now, again, I, I, my disclaimer is this is purely speculation, but it is interesting that we have a descendant from Ham who is the naughty child <laughs> and uh, the one who's cursed, and he has a child named Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. 
Uh, and so, again, it's just an interesting speculation that, that and, possibly... And go ahead and finish that out. And we know that that group was the one that went and built what? Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. And not only that, his descendants were uh, Assyrian. Mm-hmm. It was Assyria. Right. And wasn't... Now, what descendant was... Uh, or from what descendants did Og, King Og, come from? Do we know? Man, I have to... I don't know. Wasn't you're, he, you're, was he Assyrian? I believe, I, I can't remember. You'll have to look that up next time. But, but King Og, you remember in Numbers, King Og was defeated, and King Og had a huge bed, huge. right? Because he was huge. He was, he was one of the sons of Anak. And so, interesting. This yes. It's all very interesting stuff. But, but for a summary there, and, and I'll say this too, uh, to end this, because I know we've got to uh, finish up our time. The real significance in this story about the Nephilim is that, that God will win the day over evil. Mm-hmm. That God will have victory over Satan and over his demonic forces. And we will not lose the battle if we're on God's side. That doesn't matter how big the enemy is. It doesn't matter how strong they are. Um, we will win because we are on God's side. Amen. Um, and so just, just be encouraged by that. That's the significance uh, of the Nephilim. Amen. Yep. Excellent study tonight, Brother Colton. You too, man. That was fun. I loved it. Yes. Okay, prayer requests. Anybody got any questions before we close to prayer, by the way? Questions? Hard questions? Okay. All right. Um, okay, we've got um, Cecilia... Um, I cannot re- Dick, give us an update on your wife real quick, brother. A gastro specialist? Yes, yeah, gastro specialist at 840. Okay. And this is tomorrow morning? Friday, Friday. Okay, fantastic. Okay, great. Y'all continue to pray for Cecilia. As you know, she has had chronic issues ever since I've been here. So, and let's see. Diane, that's your sister, right? That's been real sick. That you you post updates on Facebook like every day. <laughs> that was good, Lynn. That was good, Lynn. Tell me what to do. Uh, today we got a notification from one of her doctors that her B12 level is extremely high, which okay. can be something very serious, kidney or liver um, disease, or it can just be some kind of inflammation. So they're sending her to a, um, what's it called, a hematologist, a blood doctor. It it can even be leukemia. Now we're not saying that's what she has. We're saying all of those things have the same uh, symptoms and so it's just one thing after another uh, that we're dealing with with her. And I'm she so isn't any better physically at all. And this has been going on for, uh, I mean. Over 60 days. Yeah, I, I, I knew it was over almost yeah. two months. She's in with um, a disease specialist at Vandy now. At and, Vandy? Uh, okay. Yeah. She's not in the hospital, but she is seeing that doctor, and he's doing a bunch of tests and all. And they did a colonoscopy and an upper uh, endoscope, and they removed several uh, biopsies. They did several biopsies. I think okay. he's just trying to find something that will right. tell him what's going on. Okay. So, anyway, that's gotcha. all I know. So, so just prayer 
all, all over, all over Diane. Okay. Okay, Debbie. Hey, good. VB Vacation Bible School. The kids fall in love with Jesus. Is Debbie in here? There she is. There she is. And your dog is having surgery Friday. Okay. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Sure. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Kelsey, Uncle Ronnie. Is it your... Not yet, he says. So, oh, good. We can do a happy birthday from the pulpit Sunday then, man. That's great. You're not going to be here. Uh, nah, never mind. Never mind. Never we mind. won't, yeah, we we won't, won't do, do that. That's right. No. That's right. <laughs> Woo, 57 years. Hallelujah, man. Woo. So, Linda, on a scale from 1 to 10... <laughs> oh, we're moving right ten, along. Ten, 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 ten. Oh. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, Kelsey Sims, Uncle Ronnie, Kim's brother, is at congestive heart failure. So sorry to hear that. Very sorry to hear that. And Larry is having back issues. Okay, so we'll pray for Larry. And his arm's good, right? Arm's healing up? Okay, good deal. Yeah, right, and then we've, you got? we've got just a few more on here. We've got mm -hmm. uh, Jocelyn mentioned that the Henderson family. Um, and is that uh, just... Okay, okay. I'll uh, be praying for them. Um, and then, am I going to say this name right? La, uh, La Monica? Um, and pray for salvation. So, uh, absolutely. We're, we're all about that. So, we'll be praying for that. Uh, La Monica. Um, and then also be praying for Gloria Denny. Uh, she's in the hospital. Uh, she's not doing well, so she's in a, she's in a lot of pain. So our, our dear sweet sister, please be praying for her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for tonight. And Father, I, I just love how your word forces us to dig and to study to try to learn more about this world that you've blessed us with in the past and how the past bears upon today. And it's been a great night. I, I thank you so much for all these that have come and the uh, contributions that have been made and things that we've learned. Father, we, we are so thankful for your word and, and the truth it contains and that we, can, that we can learn it and apply it to our lives and that we can learn more about you. Lord, tonight, as we do every Wednesday, we bring a petition to you, Father. You've heard the names mentioned. I'll just read them again. Cecilia, Diane, uh, and we pray for Debbie's sweet little puppy dog and, and for Vacation Bible School that's coming up. We pray for, um, for Kim's brother, Ronnie, and for, um, for Larry and the issues that he has. We pray for the Henderson family and for LaMonica and for Gloria Denny, Lord. And uh, we, just, we just remember all these names and we bring them to your throne tonight, Father. And we bring them to your throne because we know that you, are, that you are the God of the universe and that you have commanded us in your word to come to you and to pray to you and to trust you and to believe in you. And Father, we do. And we're so thankful that your wisdom and your might um, are far beyond what we can ever imagine and that you are all powerful and all loving and all caring. And Lord, many times there are things that go on in this world that we don't understand, but we can cling to your word and the promise of Romans 8, 28 to know that all things happen for the good of those that are called according to your purpose. 
And so, Father, we are so thankful to know that no matter what befalls us, it's not outside of your will and that you will see us through. So, Father, we pray for the salvation of those that we know and love and, and those that, that, Father, that may be our enemies. We pray for them as well. Lord, we pray for our Southern Baptist Convention. We pray for our leaders here, Lord, our, our choir. We, we, we say a special prayer for, for Brother Ryan as he is our, is our new interim music minister. And, and uh, Father, just I know that he's working very hard to make things better here, and we're so thankful for him. Father, I thank you for the wonderful staff that we have here, a wonderful congregation, and I know that we've got incredible things planned for us in the future, and I just pray that you help us to be obedient and faithful as we step forward and we continue to, to share your name to the world and to lift you up so that all, all nations may know that you are God and that you sent Christ to die for our sins. So, Father, we love you and we thank you for this evening. And again, we thank you for the privilege of praying for these on our petition this evening. And we ask that you fill these needs to your will, Father, because we know that your knowledge is perfect and your love is infinite. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, active deacons, could I see y'all up here right quick, please? <laughs>